This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. Praise the Lord. Welcome again. For Thank you for tuning in to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. I'm so excited about uh, the direction that I feel like uh, this podcast has been going, the, um, the connections, the, uh, the expansion, the growth that we've, we've been seeing. God has been so good. And a lot of that, uh, I think, comes from passion. Uh, it comes from passion and it comes from allowing God to operate in your life, uh, withholding nothing, you know, just, just letting him steer the ship. Uh, you know, th- there's really no other way to live. There's really no other way to live. I have, I have a very special guest with us today. And I'm super excited. Uh, we have pastor Charles Honeycutt with us, uh, brother, uh, Honeycutt, would you just introduce yourself? Tell the listeners a bit about you. Well, praise the Lord, everyone. Uh, sorry if there's a little bit of light in the background there. Um, my name is Pastor Charles Honeycutt. We have uh, just planted a new uh, church plant in uh, as of January of this year in Columbiana, Ohio. And so we're extremely excited uh, for what God is doing. Uh, he's already showing fruits of our labor digging up ground, and uh, we have gotten some rocks and uh, some weeds here and there, uh, but we already have had tremendous um, fruits of our labor, and God always rewards labor, and we have we had six baptized in Jesus' name. We have had uh, four receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Also, we have had multiple people healed of cancer. Uh, I don't. I don't know if it's just God is favoring uh, canceling cancer right now, uh, but we've had several of those situations uh, be totally dried up. And so, to God be the glory. We're finding avenues, and uh, God is showing favor. So we're just thankful to be here. And uh, we, we count it an honor. Amen. Praise God. So we're going to be talking a little bit about um, a subject that I think I think it's necess- necessary in the apostolic movement uh, in this century to fulfill the calling, fulfill the power, fulfill the anointing of God in our lives. And I think that it's 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 critical that we get a hold of this. Uh, you know, you've got a lot of people that uh, can can stand up and they can play the part and they can they can teach a lesson and and they can do their oratory and and they can perform on the on the platform and uh, they can operate in their flesh. But I feel like, and this isn't specific necessarily to 
the apostolic Pentecostal denomination. This is just, you know, as a whole, um, it, there's just this, it's almost like there's a lacking of power, if that makes sense. And so, and I think that that comes from trying to keep your hands on, on, on the steering wheel instead of releasing control to God. That's it. But I think I think what happens uh, is, you know, because we're going to be talking, we're going to be talking about the fire of God. And this may be part one of two or one of four. We don't know. We'll see, we'll see what God will do. But uh, the fire of God, uh, you know, the Bible says that God is an all consuming fire. I wonder if you just share your thoughts on that. Well, the fire of God is probably. Well, every preacher, even when you're young and you have thoughts of becoming a preacher, this is probably your first message. <laughs> You're on fire for God. You go to youth camps, you go to conferences, youth conventions, and that's what they impart into us. Get on fire for God. Why? Why is fire so important? Well, John the Baptist said, the one coming after me will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. I indeed baptize you unto repentance. We know that's to prepare the heart. But like you said, brother, is a lot of times we have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. That's where a lot of the nominal, and I'm not picking on anybody or disparaging anybody. There are people out there that love the Lord. There are people out there that believe. There are people out there that profess with their mouth. However, they profess without power because they have not been baptized, number one, with the Holy Ghost, and with fire and so i'm really excited about what the fire of god means specifically what he i feel has expressed uh, to me in prayer and preparing for this for a little while and uh you know what does fire do well we all have done this probably summertime we go out in the backyard if you have one create a bonfire, burn excess wood, maybe make some s'mores with your kids, you know. But fire illuminates things. It illuminates darkness. He led the children of Israel cloud by day, fire by night. Mm. God is very intentional with using fire and so it's no wonder john his cousin the forerunner told him or told everyone around including the pharisees that he rubbed the wrong way that he was going to not only baptize you with his spirit but with fire so fire it, it does illuminate darkness and that's what we need in this end time more than anything. The 
closer we get to the coming of the Lord, the darker this world is becoming. It's becoming harder and harder just to live in this world. And it's the it's, it's scripture. We know that the Bible says that men's hearts are going to fail them because of all the pressure, not just of the daily cares, but of sin and just the, the curse of the ground is starting to take hold. And so it's getting dark out there. So at, at this very moment, I ask myself, I ask my family, I ask my congregation of about 20 people, how on fire for God are you? And so it, it requires a lot of things to be on fire for God. It, it truly does. It's more than just a camp meeting. <laughs> and those are great. I had those when I was a young person. Brother Jeff Arnold preached North Carolina Youth Camp. And he, in his only way he could do, preached the same message five nights in a row. And he lit the place up with apostolic anointing. But you got to care for your fire every single day because mm. unfortunately we're not in services every day maybe we should be as we see the day approaching right brother <laughs> right amen uh, to continue to stir that fire to stir the embers because we know if the embers are alone and isolated long enough they grow cold so Fire does illuminate darkness, and it is so necessary and imperative that if we're true apostolic, people of the name, people, that we are who we say we are. And we're no longer on the back end of a dead-end street anymore. People know who we are. Uh, people understand where the flagship churches are um, we're not a secret anymore and that's i believe divine i believe that's god showcasing his bride showcasing his people his church for this last day because in the last days he's going to pour out his spirit and so i i do believe my brother and i will be the first to stand in line with you I want to get on fire for God more than ever before, Amen. more than I ever have before. And um, we know where it starts. It always starts at an altar. The altar is where the fire falls. <laughs> Here's another thing. Anytime they brought a sacrifice to the altar and the fire fell, there had to be something there for that fire to consume. That's it. What are you laying on the altar? What are, that is, that's an open-ended discussion. What are we laying on the altar? Mm. Are we laying ourselves as a daily sacrifice? Mm. 
or are we just going through the motions to t- to to put in punch in our spiritual time card to appease our emotions, appease our flesh, even? Man, could we possibly appease our flesh in prayer? <laughs> mm. Wow. Another thing that fire does, fire draws attention. Absolutely. If you're going, if you're driving down the road, if you're driving down the road, it, it creates, it, it draws attention. It creates commotion. Uh, typically, when you're in a, a setting where there's a fire, the fire is the focus of that environment. And you said uh, how we've got to feed our fire. We've got to tend to our fire. And there's a lot of different ways we can do that. I think, you know, obviously it starts with prayer. I think Bible reading. I think uh, communion with God. I think sacrifice. I think there's a lot of different things that we could uh, all encompass together in in this package of how to maintain that fire. Um, Fasting, daily, daily prayer. Uh, daily Bible reading, uh, you know, staying connected to the body of Christ. Uh, you know, you you mentioned how as the day of the Lord uh, approaches, we should gather together more. And I don't think that's necessarily specifically in a in a in a church setting, because here's the thing: Western uh, civilization has really done the church a disservice by getting us to a place where we in our minds have kept the church within four walls, four walls. The church is in a building, you know, you're a pastor, you know that we are the church where we are the body of Christ. We are the believers. And if we would be on fire for God, where we're so consumed by the presence and the anointing of God through that tending to the fire intending to the lamp you know you have the you could think about the account the the 10 virgins the five foolish the five wise and how some of them were tending to their lamp the lamp at the time so they weren't talking about light bulbs they were talking about lamps that needed oil and right. fire. there was a flame that that flame they tended to it they kept their oil uh they were they were prepared for the coming of the lord i think that it's critical that we be so consumed with god and i i get a lot of i get a lot of a lot of friction on this um, because there's a lot of people that don't they don't want to let go of their carnal mind their carnal thinking and get into kingdom mindsets and get into understanding that if you're so worried about treasures and things and toys and stuff and relationships are important but if god's not more important we run into a lot of a lot of issues We've got this sort of skewed sense of, of purpose in the kingdom of God today, where it's 
people want to please themselves, want to serve themselves, and we're not serving each other. And you touched on how, let's just say America, North America, we have done the church a disservice in regard to that. Let's just look at that scripture as we see the day approaching. We should gather together. What does that mean? Well, I grew up at the feet of missionaries and evangelists and my pastor at the time. My mother was the, uh, I don't know how old you are, but if they're Shoney's in May, in Maine, excuse me. Um, but there was a, in the South, there was something called Shoney's. And all the saints would go to Shoney's after church. And the pastor would take the evangelists and the guest ministers uh, to the restaurant, Shoney's. Uh, well, our home was Shoney's. And, and my mother, uh, that was her ministry. And I, so that's where I grew up. It is, it's gathering together just around a table, fellowship and sharing a meal. I believe that it does encompass all those things. I do believe it, it will be, it will look like church as we know it. Also, I believe it will, uh, small groups, you know, as we have, it has become very prevalent over the past, what, 10, 15 years. Right. I believe it will be just like the first church going house to house, breaking of bread. And that, that is, that is where it's at. Why do we only see each other on Sunday? I don't have anything against you, bro. Now I don't know you like I know my saints or whatever, but you know, we connect with people that are more carnal of this world or not even in church during the, during the week than we do each other. And that's a culture that as a church planner that we're trying to cultivate. Um, this past Sunday, we didn't have normal church. We had a picnic. And um, it was awesome just to watch the people fellowship and intermingle and see people that didn't normally talk to each other, talk to each other and grab food for each other. Stuff like just little small things like that. Man, if I'll give you a cup of water, that's like doing what? Giving it to Jesus. Mm. So you, you, you touched on that and that's, that's just so tremendous fire of God, we have to be honest with ourselves and say, okay, Jesus, when he gave that story of the 10 virgins, he literally took a piece of paper and drew a line down the middle. The kingdom of heaven is like 10 virgins. Which side are you on? Wow. It's that simple because as a child, we even remember, put it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Well, what good are our lamps if we have no light in it? So the, the foolish, you, you alluded to that, 
the foolish tell that tells me they had lamps and their lamps were empty. That means at one time they were full. But the cares of this life, carnality, distraction, and we have one distraction that we all are guilty of that I have to repent probably multiple times a week that I feel like I'm on it way too much and that is my cell phone. It's a distraction. It's useful, but it's, it is a distraction. We're scrolling through while the world goes to hell around us. And so the, the, those foolish virgins, they, they were looking quickly because the bridegroom is on his way. <laughs> and then they go to the ones who they know are all sold out. They're sold out believers. They're, they're at prayer meeting all the time. <laughs> they're on the fasting list all the time. They're on the cleaning list all the time. But even they said, if we give you some of ours, we're not going to have enough. And that proves right there what Jesus said. Scarcely will you make it. That's why our lamps have to be completely full of the Holy Ghost so it can be lit. And I would embarrass my kids by saying that like that, but being uh, lit for Jesus, being lit for, <laughs> <laughs> for Jesus. <laughs> oh man, just kidding. Yeah, yeah no, praise God. Uh, and you, you, that's that's. That is where we need to get the people of God to an understanding that the things in this life they they're not necessarily there there are there are a lot of things that we have access to that aren't necessarily bad things. You know, sports is not bad in and of itself. If you idolize it and you excel it and put it on a pedestal above your commitments to God, then it becomes an issue. Music, certain music is not necessarily bad. There's a lot of spiritual things that happen with music that people don't recognize. And I think if you would be more concerned with, would it please God if I was listening to this? You have several scriptures that say, uh, whatsoever you do in word and deed, do everything in the name of Jesus Christ. Yeah, okay. So if everything that I do in word and deed should be done in his name, can I say that what I'm doing is being done in his name? And if you're so consumed with the fire and the power of God, that's an easy decision to make. Easy. It's a simple decision. It's I, that doesn't feel right. I'm not doing it. Bro, <laughs> I'll tell you like this. The decision is made for you. The lamp is unto your feet. It's, it's already made for you. That's why, yes, it is. It, it is dark out there. But man, the darkness can't hide from the light. <laughs> I mean, even if it's pitch black out there, 
when the light is illuminated, like you said earlier, it draws attention. Moses. What did he see in the desert? Burning bush. Which was not unusual. That's, that's not an unusual thing in, in the desert. It's hot out there. But the Bible says that it was consumed. It was lit up. And Moses beelined to that bush. There was something a little bit different about this particular illumination. It's God lit. And when God lights you up, people take notice. It's not just like any other religion. It's not just like any other hollowed out uh, worship song that you hear on, you know, some spiritual FM radio station. It is anointed. It makes you take off your shoes because you recognize what type of ground you're on. The bush is consumed, but not burnt. We don't become burnt up. Because we're not, we're not receiving judgment hellfire. We're being burnt or consumed by the Holy Ghost and fire. So it can, man, so it can affirm whose God's people is. Or whose God's people are. Let me use proper English. Moses became God's man through that encounter. Well, Elijah became, <laughs> Elijah became the affirmation, affirmative man of God. And it contrasted the prophets of Baal, the world's idols versus who the true God was. God always answers by fire. And, oh, by the way, Brother Crooker, what did the fire of God light up for Elijah? It's funny that you said that because I was thinking about this at the outset of this conversation. I preached a message one time called Wet Wood Fire Starter. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So just. Just lift it up. And Elijah used something very precious at that moment because it was so dry. And they used water to fill the trench around the altar. My God, could we not only repair our altar, get on the altar, become a sacrifice? for the fire of God to consume us, but also can we also build trenches around our altar so he can give an overflow? Wow. Hmm. Because not only does fire draw attention, does it not only affirm but fire also spreads. 
Well, <laughs> it's contagious. It's contagious. It's contagious. I don't know how close you were to the Canadian wildfires. We're not far from them. Not far <laughs> at all, right? Right. So you got impacted by those fires in some form or another. How many people that we encounter on a daily basis are impacted by our fire? Mm. Or I'm guilty of it. I'm, I'm sure everyone that could be honest with themselves that are listening. Our woods been wet one way too many times. So honesty and transparency with ourselves has to be, be paramount. And if we truly want to be apostolic, we truly want to be used of God, be able to lay hands on the sick and they recover, open a sight to the blind, speak to the godless, impure devil and tell him to get out. We have to we have to be on fire for God. We have to. I don't I don't see any other way to make it to heaven, to be honest with you. I think with the, you know, few biblical examples that we've already used, um, there's no other way. There's just no way around it. You can't serve self and serve God. That's just that is that is so anti kingdom principle. That's ant, that that's an antichrist spirit that says, "Amen." My glory, my will, my desire. If we would get to a place where we're so consumed by God. We're, we're so transparent before God. Moses, he said, God was calling him to do something. He said, well, I, I just, I don't have the capability. You're asking me to do something I'm not capable of. And God said, that's okay, because I can make up the difference. Same thing with Gideon. Gideon, ah, I'm the least in my family. I'm the run of the litter. I'm no good. Yet, what, what are you doing? What are you asking me to do this for? Because... I like taking the I like taking people that understand their position, understand who they are, and can allow me to elevate them and bring them into a place where they can show my glory and they won't take any of it. That's why it was so important at that moment when they're getting ready to cross over into the promised land and a bunch of them said, well, we just, we can't, we, we're, we, we're grasshoppers in our own sight. We can't do it. But you had two men that said, we'd be well able to take the lead. Not because they were strong, not because they were great, but because they knew what God had already done. Parting the Red Sea, the all these incredible uh, examples of God's power in Egypt. As he was unfolding these plagues and 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 just showing these Egyptians the power of God. Showing the Egyptians, showing the world his power. 
We've got to get out of our apostolic arrogance and our apostolic abundance and share it with this world. He said, you're going to go. You're going to lay hands on the sick. You're going to take up serpents. I told my congregation the other day, your feet should hurt. They just kind of looked at me because they're, they barely know how to say apostolic. <laughs> yeah, I love them. But I said, your feet should hurt because he's under your feet. You have got to claim that and stomp on his head, bruise that head, crush that head. And your heel should be bruised because you have been stomping on him constantly. I, I tell you, brother, there, there's something that I wanted to bring out here. This is a specific scripture. And I don't know how much more time we have, but uh, go with I, it, bro. I, I want to go with this, if it's okay. Yes, sir. The Bible says in Isaiah 44, verse 15 and 16, Then shall it be for a man to burn, for he will take thereof, and warm himself. Yea, he kindled it and baketh bread. Yea, he maketh a God and worshipeth it. He maketh it a graven image and falleth down thereto. He burneth part thereof in the fire. With part thereof he eateth flesh. He roasted roses and is satisfied. Yea, he warmeth himself and saith, Aha, I am warm. I have seen the fire. This is where I believe it is our responsibility to get ourselves, our families, and anyone that we are in connection with that we have influence with. People love the feel-good experience. They want the experience. They want to talk in tongues. They've heard about talking in tongues. They want to see the miracles, signs, and wonders. They want to experience all that. But they have made church their own graven image. Wow. They put part of themselves in the fire. And then the rest of the time, they're really not sold out. They're kind of in between the, the 10 virgins. So what ends up happening is they're partly in, partly out, not really sold out. We know what Revelation says about that. <laughs> I would to God that you were either hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm. Lukewarm. So the, the issue is 
is we have all the technology now. We have the finest churches, the finest amenities, and there's nothing wrong with that. We have the greatest preaching. However, we have too many of us that are just warming ourselves by the fire instead of getting in the fire. The three Hebrew boys did not care if they were in the fire. They knew that their God would deliver them. Too many want the Holy Ghost, but they don't want the fire. Why? They want the experience. They want to see it. They want to warm up to it and say, oh, I'm warm. I've seen the fire. And I'm not disparaging anyone. This is a challenge to me. This is what God gave me in prayer. But we get warm, but we understand that if we totally sell out and get in that fire, things could possibly explode in our faces and we end up challenged and tried beyond what we anticipated. Job said, he knoweth the way that I take. When he had tried me, I shall come forth as gold. If I am allowing him to try me, if I'm allowing him to purify me, and then what allowing that what that fire does to purge, we always will come out as gold. But we have to allow him to consume us with his fire. Amen. Wow. That is powerful. That is good. And that's what it comes down to. Being completely. And I, I feel like this is the theme of my life. The last several months has been completely sold out, completely surrendered completely committed not part of my life not part of my spirit not part of my mind my entire being in the fire of god allowing him to fall on the altar of sacrifice of my life present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto god that's your what does it say reasonable service that's not too much for god to ask that's not too much it's reasonable that god ask us to present our life before him wow i remember brother everybody knows brother stone king i remember a phrase he said in one of his sermons and it has stuck with me and it, it, it literally pig, piggybacks right off of what you just said there, brother. He said this, and this has stuck with me. And every time I go to prayer, every time I set aside the plate, every time I ask the Lord to use me and to 
purify me. Show me if there's anything that is not right with him. Every time I, I, I God, I want to be, I, I really want to be used beyond my imagination, exceeding abundantly above all I can ask for. And I remember the Stone King saying this. He said, how much of God do you want? And how much of yourself are you willing to give? Wow. I mean, <laughs> that has stuck with me. Because you said it earlier. Man, we can perform pretty good in the flesh. If we've been around Pentecost long enough, we can get by a little while. But eventually, growing season happens. Summertime. Growing season. And we end up like that fig tree that had an expectation of fruit on it. And Jesus walks by and curses it because it produced nothing. Mm. I don't want to be that fig tree, brother. No, sir. I, and, and, and Pentecost, you know, it's the Holy Ghost and fire, and it's keeping me alive. I love that song. And we get down and we have a great time in the Holy Ghost with those types of worship songs that are so necessary. But have we really thought about what the fire entails? Have we really thought about the responsibility that it carries. And in this last day revival, us, the next generation under us, Generation Z, is going to usher in the coming of the Lord. And God is going to identify and affirm who his people is. Amen. By whose own fire. Why? Because he says, greater works shall you do. Greater works. People who are doing the greater works, you know, who's on fire. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be broadcast. It doesn't have to be Facebook famous. Matter of fact, if it was up to me, Facebook would be null and void at Columbiana Apostolic Church. <laughs> but at, at the end of the day, man, how much do you love Jesus? When you love somebody, something, somebody, you love him, they they nothing you won't do for him. Nothing's too hard. Nothing is too great. I'll go all the way. Amen. This podcast is made possible because of listeners like you who are willing to bridge the gap. We now have a sponsorship program on our Anchor website in which you can become a monthly sponsor of $1, $5, or $10 a month. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.